In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. In uh, today's Gospel is a, a concept which uh, has been misunderstood and misconstrued and miss, I don't know, everything communicated um, several times. This idea that Jesus says that he has sheep which are his own, and then there are sheep that are not his And he says, my sheep hear my voice, and when I call them, they come out. And my sheep, which are in my hand, no one will ever be able to snatch from me. Well, I mean, the immediate question that that hits me is, which which camp am I in? Am I in the my sheep that are like in his hand forever and ever, and nothing can change that? Or am I not, right? And we find in the readings, and these are all the readings around the cross, right? And all of what we're celebrating today is about the cross. And we're going to tie it in with the Samaritan woman, which would have been the readings of today if it, was not, if it had not been the Feast of the Cross, which does not always fall on this um, particular Sunday of Lent. So, I mean, that's the question, Right? And we find in the Pauline epistle, we find that St. Paul is explaining clearly whom God chooses and why he chooses. And then this brings a whole other uh, issue of like, does God choose some people? So some people are like, you know, they're destined to go to heaven and other people are destined to go to hell. That is not the teaching of the Orthodox Church. That's a teaching called predestination, which is taught in some churches but is is certainly not the teaching in the Orthodox Church. However, we do believe in God's foreknowledge, but we're not going to go down that that, uh, tangent because we'll be there for a half hour and we'll miss the message that God wants to share with us today. If you look back, way, way back, into um, the, the fifth book in the Bible, Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, Moses... Um, is gathered all the people after they've been journeying through for 40 years in the desert after he took them out of Egypt and now they're about to go into the promised land and he tells them look I want to remind you of all of the things that I said to you and he goes and he reminds them of all the law and that's the book the whole book of Deuteronomy that's what it's about so in Deuteronomy chapter 7 Moses says to them for you are a holy people to the Lord your God The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you. Now we're going to start seeing how does God choose, right? So how does God choose? These days I'm trying to watch what I eat and so on. So um, if you, uh, you know, we go out to eat or something and you find me eating a salad, you'll be like, John never orders salad. Why is John ordering a salad? Well, there's a reason, right? There's a reason why we choose the things we choose. Why does God choose and how does he make his choices? The answers are clear. God is not petty and he's not capricious and he's not unpredictable. Everything is revealed to us in the church and in scripture. Everything is revealed to us. How does he choose? He says, I chose you to be a holy, special people, special above all the peoples of the earth. Okay, how? How does he choose? Listen, the Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other people or because you are the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you. 
And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage and from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh at this time was the king of Egypt. Egypt was the superpower of the world and Pharaoh was the god of the superpower. And the superpower was considered to be the superpower because the mystical powers that be, the gods or magic or whatever, had favored this. So Pharaoh is the one who had made Egypt the superpower of the world. And he says, you are a small little dinky people that aren't, you're just a bunch of nomads in the desert. God didn't choose you because you're a mighty nation. You're strong and you're valiant and you're this. God didn't choose you because you're faithful. <laughs> he didn't say that, but God chose you because he loves you. Because he loves you. If we look again in just, just in the next chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses continues on and he says to the people, he says to them, God, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand has gained you wealth. He's saying, he let you go through the desert. He let you get hungry. And then he fed you with manna from heaven, lest one day you say, my hand and my strength and my power is what fed me, is what saved me. Another Old Testament character, another Old Testament character which makes it so clear how God chooses Gideon in Judges chapter 7. In Judges chapter 7, in, in chapter 6, the Lord says to Gideon, I want you to set my people free. So the people of Israel, they went and they went into the promised land and then they started to worship other gods and then other nations came and made war with them and started to harass them. So at this time, at this point in history, there was a, a group of people called the Midianites, people from a land of Midian. And they were harassing the people of Israel and they were burning their crops and stealing their crops. And it says every time there was a harvest, the Midianites would come and destroy it or steal it. Every time there was a harvest. How depressing. You spend all year working hard and you harvest and pff, gone, right? Depression, sadness, hunger, famine. People are dying. Gideon is sitting there and an angel appears to him and he greets him and it says, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks at him and he's like, Huh? Mighty man of valor? Me? And he answers him in a sarcastic way. We won't go into that too much. But then Gideon says to him, he says, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He says, I am the least in my father's house. My father's house is the smallest in our clan. I'm from Benjamin, the smallest tribe. Like, I'm the nothing of the nothing of the, you know, the armpit of the armpit of the ghetto right? I'm from like, you know, the alleyway in the armpit, in the armpit of the ghetto of the, that's where I'm from. How can I save anybody, right? Why does God choose Gideon? Gideon rounds up a whole army and he's ready to go. And God says to Gideon, no, 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 no. Uh, it's too many people, too many people, right? Why God? Why too many people? Next chapter, then the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. They're too many for me to give the victory to you. 
lest Israel claim the glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So he tells them by, you know, some story, we'll go through the, all the details of it, to part them down to 300 men. So he's going to go out to fight an army as far as the eye can see to the horizon. As far as he can see, there's men and armies and soldiers and chariots with 300 men, and God gives them victory. Why? Lest one day you say, my arm has saved me. Lest one day you take the glory for yourself. You see, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's all about glory. The cross is all about glory. Remember, these readings are on the Feast of the Cross, right? Right? It's all, the cross is all about glory. It's all about victory. It's all about the power of God. But to whom is all the glory? To God. To me or to God? To God. So that's why in the, in the Pauline epistle, St. Paul was saying, when we came to you, we actually didn't do any great things. We didn't heal the sick or raise the dead. We didn't do anything fancy. We didn't preach, with, we didn't preach amongst you with power. In fact, he says, our speech was contemptible. Like, uh, like people, you were making fun of us because of how simple our words were, right? We didn't come to you with the wisdom of words. Why? Why did we not come to you with the wisdom of words? Lest the cross of Christ may be made of no effect. Elsewhere, in the second epistle to the Corinthians, St. Paul says, If I boast, I will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may be made evident. You, you want to know why St. Paul was able to preach the whole known world? I'll tell you why St. Paul was able to preach the whole known world. I think it's very simple. Everybody had heard of this terror named Saul of Tarsus. This terror named Saul of Tarsus. Everybody has heard of like Osama bin Laden, right? Everyone had heard of Saul of Tarsus. And he was like the terror, right? And then they find this man kind and gentle among them, serving them, washing their feet. And he says to them, I am Saul of Tarsus. What? I am Saul of Tarsus. Who? I am Saul of Tarsus. What happened? What happened? He didn't hide who he was. He boasted in who he was. He boasted in his weakness. He says, I was a violent and insolent man wrecking havoc on the church. That's how he describes himself. But he says, but God had mercy on me and counted me faithful and put me into the ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 1, the first few verses. 6, 7, 8, and 12. But God counted me faithful. But I was an insolent and violent man wrecking havoc on the church. I was a terror. If I boast, he says, I boast in my infirmity. I don't boast in the accomplishments because the glory of the accomplishments belongs to who? Belongs to the man on the cross. So when God chooses, St. Paul says in today's readings, he says, God has chosen the foolish things of this world. God has chosen the weak things of this world. God has chosen the base things of this world. God has chosen the despised things of this world. God has chosen the things which are not in this, who, that are in this world. Why? that no flesh should glory in his presence, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. 
that it is written, if anyone glories, let him glory in the Lord. I want to ask you a question. Actually, before I ask you a question, I want to share another little bit of scripture with you. Philippians chapter 1, St. Paul is in the dungeon. Now this time we see St. Paul, he's writing from the dungeon. He's not in prison. The dungeon was like a hole in the center of the prison that had a grate on top of it. And they would lower a prisoner there. And then if they were a prisoner who had previously escaped or was wanted or was wanted by the emperor or there were certain criteria, that prisoner had to be chained 24-7 to a Roman soldier. So they have to drop the Roman soldier down the hole. So imagine you are a Roman soldier. The Romans were like an Aryan race. They were like, they were racist, really racist. And they were like, they were here and the rest of humanity was here, base creatures, right? So I, a Roman, have to be chained to this schmuck, right? And be in a hole in the prison. Now, what was that hole used for? That's where the prisoners would go to do their business. So St. Paul and this Roman soldier who's chained to him, of course the Roman soldier is not sitting there saying, thank you St. Paul for putting me here, I love you very much, right? He probably beat him, he probably hit him, he probably... St. Paul says, I'm worried about the Philippian church, I want to write them a letter. He's in this hole in a dungeon and he says, I want to write them a letter. What does he write about? He writes about joy. And what does he say? If I was writing that letter, I would say, I'm praying every day and asking you to pray every day that God will kill me now. Right? That's what I would say. Right? What does St. Paul say? St. Paul says, St. Paul says in first, first, uh, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says to them, he says to them, I know like it would make sense for me to wish death. And to be honest with you, I, I love to go to heaven. I love to be with Jesus. I love to go to heaven. But you need me. So I don't know. Sometimes I pray to God and I tell him, God, I want to be with you. And sometimes I pray to God and tell him, no, but the churches need me. So I told God, do with me as you wish. Let's read the passage. St. Paul says, to, uh, chapter 1, verse 21. He says, For to me to live is Christ, but, and to die is gain. I'm getting my talks confused. This is a central point in my talk downstairs for this afternoon. So, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He says, For me to live, living, I live for Christ. And if I die, it's like benefit for me. St. Paul is saying, What I live for, I live for Christ. Now, if you ask me, what do you live for? What would I say? I live for honor, for prestige, for looking good, for this, for that. What do I live for? What do I live for? I have lots of friends who uh, God has uh, been very good to them. They've been very successful. And in their great success, they'll call me up sometimes and they'll say... Uh, you know, John, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if you made the right decision. These are like friends from work, from my, my medical career, right? And they say to me, uh, you know, and they're, they don't necessarily know God. I wonder, I wonder if you made the right decision. And I say, well, what about? And they say, I wonder if, if, if your career change was a better decision than to stay. These are people who couldn't understand for the, for the life of them the heck I was doing, leaving my previous career and coming and, and coming to the priesthood. St. Paul is telling us, those who wish to give glory to God, 
are those whom God chooses to do his work. Those whom God, who wish to give glory to God are the people whom God chooses to do his work. Because at the end of the game, at the end of the story, at the end of everything, the whole point of it all is for us to give glory to God. That is the, the, the short of the long. That's the summary of our existence. To glorify God. To give Him glory. So if I'm going to hoard the glory, then I'm not useful. Right? I'm, I'm like, a, you know, I'm a distraction from God's plans. So God chooses the weak things of this world because they give glory. God chose the Samaritan woman to go and to preach to her town. And he says he needed, in John 4 verse 2 says, he needed to pass through that little town called Sychar. It's like it's not even on the map, Sychar, right? He needed to pass through that little town. Why? Because he needed to speak to that woman. Why? Why that woman? I'm sure there were a lot of other women who were living funny business life in Israel at the time. Why that woman? Because when that woman went and told the people of the town and they came and they heard Jesus, what did they say? What did they say to the woman after they met Jesus? They said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So when she went and spoke to them, they believed in Jesus and everything was about Jesus. And she was just a part of the story. I shared this a while ago. One of the youth, one of the, one of the young people here at church said this to me and it just blew me. It just blew me away. And we were talking about, we were talking about um, uh, sort of like where God is in your life and how, he, how God fits in your life and so on and this and that. Um, and I said to the person, like, well, like, and they're trying to make a big decision in life. And so I said to them, like, well, so what do you want? And this young girl, woman, like, girl said to me, um, oh, it doesn't matter what I want. I said, what do you mean it doesn't matter what you, what, what you want? Like, what, what, do you, what do you want? You need to know what you want, and, you, and then you can know what God wants. She said to me, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what I want. I said, what do you mean? She said, see, if my life were a movie, God would be the main actor, and I would be an extra. I'm just part of the movie so that... So that he can be the main actor and he, like, he's the one who's going to win the Oscar, the Grammy, or I don't know what they're called, right? I don't know, really, like, very illiterate in, in pop culture, right? So he's the one who's going to win, like, like, the international award, not me. I'm just, like, I'm just an extra. Like, I'm just, I'm just here to help make the movie happen. But the show is all about him. My life is all about him. So the cross is trying to teach us, the church is trying to teach us, sorry, that the cross is glory. The cross is glory. In fact, you'll notice in our rites and rituals, every time we say the word glory, like in liturgical prayer, we do the sign of the cross. We say, glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of all ages. And glory be to the Holy Trinity, our God, unto the ages of all ages. Every time we say the word glory, we do the sign of the cross. Why? Because the church knows that we can learn by association. And the church wants us to associate the cross with glory. Why? Because what's the greatest glory in history, in the existence of the universe, as far as we are aware, is the resurrection of Christ. What opened the door for the resurrection? What was, what was the, the one event preceding the resurrection? 
the cross. Like, think logically now, okay? Forget about all this religious stuff, let's just talk about life, right? If you wanna do CPR on somebody, what is the one prerequisite that all C patients receiving CPR must have? They, their heart must have stopped. Like, it's really bad if you do CPR on a live person. It hurts a lot, you know? You don't do CPR on living people. You do it on people who have had a cardiorespiratory arrest, right? You do it on the dead. Resurrection happens to the dead, right? Jesus had to die, not just any death, but the death of the cross. So the cross is glory for us. And that sounds really nice in preaching, but when I look at the cross in my life, when I look at the suffering in my life, when I look at the most despicable and dark parts of my life, I don't often associate them with glory. And I'll tell you this. Imagine, imagine that you get an assignment at work, and it's identical to an assignment you did a month ago, and when you did it a month ago, you did, it, you did such a good job, you, like you, you, you know, you just, you just, you nailed it and everyone applauded you and everybody loved it and it was great and it was amazing, it was fantastic. What will your approach be in getting that piece of work versus getting a piece of work that you, you've never done before, like something which is totally new to you? Most of us would be happy. They'll be like, great, I know how to do this. I'm gonna nail it this time too, right? Um, when I was uh, uh, you know, in surgery, it was the same thing. There were certain operations I loved doing because I did them really, really well. So I loved doing them because I was really good at them. Um, at school, the same thing. In life, in life, if we get to do things that we're really good at, we're typically very happy. Why? Because we know that the end is good. Well, someone has come before us and taken on this assignment. And guess what? The end was good. It wasn't only good, it was really good. And so God wants to tell us, your assignment, your cross, your suffering, the end is gonna be good. But if you rejoice, if you take pleasure, if you boast, if you're proud, be proud in one thing. Be proud in the cross. Be proud in the cross of Christ and be, be proud in your own cross. And this, this is the way of our Savior. It's the upside down kingdom. The kingdom of God is completely opposite to all the things that we're so used to here. If I'm gonna boast, I boast in my weakness. I boast in my inability because I know that, I know that victory lies at the end and how much greater a victory is it if it was done with someone who was weak, who was broken, who was disabled, who was unable to do, and God worked miracles through them. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please.